0: It's de facto 15%. If you look at how many people have quit looking for jobs, they're not counted. you look at how many people are in part-time jobs that don't have full-time jobs, that's all that really matters.
1: Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum.
2: And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. Today is Tuesday, September 20th, and that was former President Bill Clinton, you heard at the top of the podcast, talking on NBC's Today Show about unemployment.
1: And I should say welcome back, Hannah.
2: I am very (laughs) excited to be back. We're actually sitting in my living room at home, so I'm only partially back. I'm on maternity leave. But I am hosting the podcast today because we have a very exciting update on our toxic asset, Toxie. Toxie, you might remember, we thought she was dead months ago, but she is now involved in a lawsuit. She's actually one of a storm of lawsuits that could cost the banks billions of dollars.
1: A toxic asset update for you coming up. But first, Hana, I'm going to run, actually teleport to our office real quick and get the Planet Money Indicator from Jacob. All right, Jacob, what do you got? Today's Planet Money Indicator, one95 The interest rate on 10
3: year Treasury bonds is 1.95% as of right now. It's Tuesday afternoon. This is crazy low. It's it's a historic kind of low. It's actually right now lower than inflation. So that means if inflation stays the same, you buy this bond in 10 years. In inflation-adjusted terms, you actually have less money than you have right now.
1: You still lose money buying the bond. You
3: you essentially (laughs) lose money, yeah. So despite all this, it seems pretty clear that the Federal Reserve wants this number to be even
1: lower. The Fed's main policy committee is meeting today and tomorrow. And at the end of these meetings, they always come out with this big announcement that everybody scrutinizes. And from everything that we've been reading, it sounds like the Fed at this meeting is going to try to push that number even lower. Exactly. And and specifically, the thing that everybody keeps talking about this week, it's called...
3: Operation Twist. And to understand what this means, first, you have to remember that the Fed has already bought more than a trillion dollars in bonds over the past few years. Uh, But a lot of those bonds, they're sort of short to medium term, somewhere between one and five years. And these short and medium term interest rates, they're already way down near zero. So what the Fed may do, what Operation Twist would be, would be for the Fed to sell some of those shorter-term bonds, those three-year bonds, say, five-year bonds, that kind of thing, And use that money to buy longer term bonds. Use that money to buy, say, 10-year treasury bonds. And of course, when you buy bonds, you push down interest rates. So in theory, at least, this Operation Twist,
1: it should push down interest rates on 10-year treasury bonds. And the interest rate on 10-year treasury bonds affects all kinds of other interest rates. Basically, anything, anyone who's borrowing money for long periods of time. So, you know, mortgages, uh, companies who maybe want to borrow money and use it to hire people, the hope is if you push those interest rates down it can help the economy get moving
3: again yeah, more borrowing more spending that's the that's the big idea but really frankly it's unclear at this point how much difference this would make you know interest rates are already super low there are lots of problems in the economy but The Fed, it basically has one tool at its disposal. It can raise or lower interest rates. And with unemployment stuck over 9 percent, the Fed is going to keep pounding away with this tool. It's going to keep trying to bring down interest rates.
1: Thank you, Jacob. Thanks. All right. Now I have to get back to Hannah.
2: Okay, on to the podcast. So let's just set up how this happened with you here in my living room. I've been hanging out with this baby, and I get a call from you, David, and I I saved the voicemail. I want to play it here.
1: Hey, it's David Keston Vam. There's a crazy bit of news about Toxie that I wanted to uh, share with you. Can you give me a ring? Thanks. Bye. It was an amazing day when I found this out. Here's some quick background. Toxie was a toxic asset we here at Planet Money purchased as part of a reporting project. She became sort of an office pet. We spent $1,000 of our own money to buy her.
2: Toxic assets, we should remind people, are these financial instruments based on pools of mortgages. And during the housing bubble, all sorts of people and institutions gobbled up toxic assets. And the way things worked is that when homeowners paid their mortgages, that money went to the people who'd bought these financial instruments, investors, until homeowners couldn't pay and it all went horribly wrong.
1: Which is where we came in. We bought our toxic asset on sale, I think 99% off. We figured she had a little life left in her, and if she made money, we would give the money to charity. But like a lot of toxic assets, Toxie did not do very well. Pretty soon there was not enough money coming in from the homeowners making their mortgage payments to pay us anymore. So we lost half of our investment.
2: Yeah, actually may remember we had sort of a funeral for Toxie here on the podcast.
1: But now I would like you to picture the grave and imagine a little fist punching up out of the ground by the tombstone. Not only is she alive, it turns out she could earn us quite a bit of money. The story starts a couple weeks ago with a newspaper article.
0: Pretty much every morning I, I pick up the, the Wall Street Journal and you know skim the front page and then read any relevant articles.
2: This is Brent Marnell. Everyone calls him Slim. He was one of the experts who helped us buy Toxie. So Slim was reading the newspaper. He saw this article about a lawsuit against Bank of America over some pool of 4,000 mortgages that had been carved up into toxic assets, and he didn't think much of it.
0: You know, you pick up the paper every day and somebody's suing Bank of America about something that so wasn't <laughs> anything like too, too out of the ordinary.
1: But then he gets down toward the end of the article and he reads the legal name for the pool of mortgages involved.
0: Harborview Mortgage Loan Trust Series 2005-10.
1: Harborview Mortgage Loan Trust. He goes, Harborview Mortgage Loan Trust. Hmm. Types it into his computer and goes, oh, HVMLT 2005-10. That's Toxie. Toxie was based on that very pool of mortgages. Slim walks over to his colleague, Witt Solberg, who cannot believe it. Witt actually Hannah sent me some emails at one point writing, dude, the odds of this happening were
0: zero. Can you believe (laughs) it was we were baffled. We were all uh, very surprised.
2: The lawsuit was brought by the sort of legal guardian for the pool of mortgages called the trustee. The trustee is the one who distributes the money from the mortgages to the investors, and it has a sort of legal responsibility to look after us.
1: Us and the huge big money investors like pension funds and insurance funds that also probably owned other Toxies made out of the same pool of mortgages. And because of this lawsuit, Toxie may not be worthless
0: after all. This is the deal that has sort of risen like a phoenix from the ashes.
1: I thought we buried her. You were there sort of at the gravesite. You gave a eulogy. Uh,
0: you know, um, it, it, it was premature, you know, and <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's Easter Sunday, man. It's
1: <laughs> so we spent a uh, $1,000 on Toxie. We lost, uh, lost half of that. If the trustee wins this lawsuit, how much money would we get?
0: $75,000. $75, $75,000?
1: That's right.
2: is the full face value of Toxie. What she would have paid had there not been a housing bubble, had the housing bubble not popped, what she would have paid her owner if nothing bad ever happened.
1: $75,000 for us. Us. Not the original owner of Toxie, whoever that was. We have no idea who that was. But imagine for a second it was the person we bought Toxie from. That person thought they had a $75,000 investment but they sold it to us for $1,000 because things were looking so bad. And now it might be worth seventy-five grand again. Is it really fair for us to get that money?
0: Is that right? Is, you know, is that justice? You know, I, um, It's certainly, certainly good news for you.
1: The lawsuit makes the argument that Bank of America owes us and all the other investors money because Bank of America owns Countrywide, and Countrywide made all those bad mortgages that Toxie was based on.
2: And the lawsuit's arguing that Countrywide, when it made those mortgages, cut a lot of corners.
1: For example, Witt flipped through the lawsuit when we had him on the phone. Page 21 of the lawsuit describes a mortgage loan for $737,000. The person claimed to have plenty of money to make mortgage payments, claimed to earn $200,000 a year at a communications company.
2: The person actually earned $0 that year, according to other documents cited in the lawsuit, Witt says it looks like Countrywide, which gave out the loan, did not do its job.
0: A couple of additional questions, like a pay stub or, or you know, a call or, or, or even just to see if the company existed, you know, an extra two minutes of work just didn't occur.
2: The thing is, we've been hearing for three years now about how loans are given without a lot of checking and deb- people's ability to pay them back. So it sort of sounds like old news. Like, why is this lawsuit happening now? Well, one lawyer told us it's one thing to know that it happened, but it's another to actually prove it. You know, to do that, you have to read through a ton of fine print to see what Countrywide promised it would check and then find proof that it didn't actually do what it promised.
1: So a lot of what the lawsuit contains are examples there's this fire captain, fire captain overstated his income the lawsuit says. There's someone who claimed to be a manager at a cell phone company who actually worked in housekeeping at a hotel.
2: And someone who claimed to earn nearly $400,000 a year as the owner of a chiropractic center.
0: It's a lot of it's a lot of money, but you know, it it um <laughs> A pretty good chiropractor. (laughs) Let's hope so.
2: (laughs) According to the lawsuit, these were not just occasional lapses. There was something amiss with an enormous number of mortgages in our pool. The lawsuit says a consultant was hired to look at a sample of 786 loans in our pool and found two thirds failed to meet one or more requirements. Two thirds were not what Countrywide said they were.
1: Because of that, the lawsuit—you can flip to the last pages—is asking Bank of America, which now owns Countrywide, to buy back all the mortgages that are in this pool that Toxie's based on. There were 4,000 mortgages originally in this pool, supposed to be worth around $2 billion.
2: Okay, $2 billion. You might think, Bank of America is a huge bank, though. You know, they could survive that. And that's true. But it turns out that there are actually a lot of lawsuits out there like this one— filed by investors or filed on behalf of investors that are all asking for substantial amounts of money. And the other week, the U.S. government got in on the action. It filed 17 separate lawsuits against some of the world's biggest banks. The government owns mortgage giants Fannie and Freddie, which lost a lot of money on toxic assets. So it's trying to get some of that money back.
1: So what happens if they all win?
4: If the plaintiffs were to get judgments in the full amounts for what they're demanding, They could cripple the American banking system. Really? Yeah, I mean, because we're talking about the ability to pay hundreds of billions of dollars.
1: That's Jacob Frankel. He's a lawyer at Shulman Rogers. He used to work for the Securities and Exchange Commission.
2: Yeah, and he's got some scary words, cripple the American banking system. But he, he did say another word in there, if, if these lawsuits all go to trial and the people suing get everything they asked for from the banks, that's a really big if.
1: Banks will, of course, fight these lawsuits. In fact, Bank of America sent us a statement, which here it's one sentence, kind of a long one, but I'll read it. We do not believe that the existing contractual documents give U.S. Bank, that's the trustee, any right to demand that Bank of America Corporation's countrywide subsidiary repurchase loans on a pool-wide basis. Nor do we believe there is any basis, in fact, to demand a repurchase of every loan in this securitization, the majority of which have either paid off or are current.
2: Jacob Frankel says there are a lot of things the banks are going to argue in their defense. And one is just these homeowners lied to us. They lied about their jobs, their income. It's not our fault.
1: Another line of argument might be that, okay, so this guy overstated his income a bit. You have to show that was the reason he defaulted. And you know what? We're going to need to go through these thousands of mortgages one at a time.
2: Yeah, for all the lawyers listening out there, plaintiffs have to show material and adverse effect
1: point is, there's a lot to fight over. Here's another lawyer we talked with, Talcott Franklin. We asked him, how much does he think investors could actually get with this lawsuit? Or for example, how much could our Toxie bond realistically get?
5: I haven't looked at the contractual language governing your investment in Toxie, but typically once an investment like Toxie dies, the investor cannot receive subsequent recoveries. So it's unlikely that this lawsuit will bring Toxie back to life. No. I'm really sorry about Toxie. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you don't sound very sorry. But no,
5: I am. I, I feel bad. I mean, what's astonishing to me about Toxie is that you bought Toxie at a very steep discount, and yet you still lost half of your investment, more than half. And that just goes to demonstrate, really, that these assets are far more toxic than anyone imagined, even after the financial crisis hit.
2: So we we don't stand to benefit at all from this lawsuit?
5: Well, again, the contractual language is going to govern that but in the deals that i typically review once somebody has lost the value of their investment it's unlikely that they would
1: wit solberg the guy who helped us buy toxi obviously has another view he thought we could get some money from this and a lawyer who looked through the 300 pages of legal paperwork that came with toxi told me it's actually unclear these toxic assets They were not designed to fail. They're these enormously complicated machines. Yes, there is that legal paperwork that's supposed to describe what happens when there are problems or disputes, but everyone just kind of hoped it would never come to that. Now, it's come to that.
2: So now, what's going to happen is the banks will do their best to pay as little as possible out. Investors will do their best to get some of their money back. And in the end, like most lawsuits, these will probably settle out of court. Jacob and Tao actually both said that. And if you look over the past year, just at Bank of America, for instance, it settled two large disputes over countrywide mortgages. In one case, it agreed to pay $3 billion, in another case, $8.5 billion.
1: Which definitely is a big number. I mean, $8.5 billion, that is a lot of money. But that $8.5 billion was to settle a dispute over 530 pools of mortgages. That is nothing close to the amount that would be the equivalent of buying back every mortgage at full value. That would have been hundreds of billions of dollars.
2: The question we had at the end of this is the one Witt raised at the beginning, is it fair? I mean, I I think everyone felt like, yes, there were people doing bad things that led to this whole economic mess. And now, finally, there are big lawsuits. But what are these lawsuits accomplishing? Are they achieving some kind of justice? We asked Jacob Frankel.
4: Well, the, the, the path to resolution that most of the public wanted to see was bank executives in handcuffs. That did not happen and is not going to happen because criminal law enforcement authorities did not have the cases against the high-level financial institution executives in connection with the mortgage crisis.
1: So no executives in handcuffs. We are left instead with these lawsuits, trying to divide up the money that's left.
2: So, David, you know, we always thought Toxie was going to be great because Toxie would tell the last chapter of this financial crisis story. You know, we thought she would lead us to some sort of resolution. You know, maybe the housing market would rebound and toxic asset investors would get some money back or lose a little less. Or maybe toxic assets would cause more trouble and they'd go out with a big bang. But some way Toxie was going to tell us what the end was. And now it seems like this might be where the last chapter takes place, in court.
1: Jacob Frankel says none of these lawsuits are going to help the vast number of innocent bystanders to the financial crisis. The people who bought homes and paid their mortgages, even though their home values have tanked. Or the people now who are trying to get loans who can't.
4: So at the end, you know, the people who are paying the price are not the ones who really set this entire problem in motion. And this lawsuit isn't going to help them. This lawsuit is not going to help them at all.
2: So basically, what this, what this, it's not executives in handcuffs, and it's maybe going to mean that there is some financial hurt to banks, but probably not a lot.
4: Probably not a lot, and the the, the biggest beneficiaries in all of these cases, truthfully, are the lawyers and the experts who are you know who are now involved in the litigation. You're
1: saying that as a lawyer who theoretically could be involved in this kind of litigation?
2: Ab- ab- absolutely. Well, that's definitely the resolution everyone wanted. What?
4: For the lawyers to make out like bandits?
1: <laughs> Justice, it's complicated.
2: Let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know who you would like to sue. PlanetMoney at NPR.org.
1: You can leave a comment on our blog, NPR.org slash money. I'm David Kestenbaum.
2: And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. Thanks for listening.